I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Ah, hey kids, what's new? That's my new opening line. Instead of, what have I been up to? Nothing. I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm thinking of something new. It's going to be, hey kids, ah, what's new? Like it's a two-way conversation. Uh, Halloween's a-coming. So that's fun. Uh, it's snowed here. And it's freezing outside. So it's, uh, everything's just ice now. Like kind of melted. Uh, but there's still snow on the ground. It's cold and you don't want to be outside. And it's not even Halloween yet. So my October just got ruined. I had a couple weeks of leaves falling and the smell and the raking up piles of leaves and wearing a little sweater and, uh, you know, giggling to myself and frolicking through the pile of leaves. All that fun stuff. Ruined. Now it's just cold snow. And that's it. Not going outside for any reason. My house, I decorate for Halloween and I do it every year. My kids and I have slowly built up an entire Halloween town. Like how some people have Christmas towns. I've got all these little weird spooky houses that light up and all sorts of decorations and stuff. And, and the kids still love it, which is cute. Even though they're getting pretty old now where they stop caring about that kind of stuff. Uh, it's still, they, I think they enjoy it on some level. They look forward to it. They want it around, even though they don't want to help decorate. But ruined. So this is the last week of uh, Halloween where I'm going through my uh, scary story blitz. So I have another one for you this week. Uh, hopefully wherever you're at, there isn't snow and hopefully you have the fallen leaves or if you live in a warmer climate, I don't know. What, what do you think of as fall in a warmer climate? Uh, the palm trees smell different? I don't know what what would be the difference for you. I'm not sure. There's more driftwood on the beach? I'm not exactly sure. But in either case, uh, maybe it just rains more. Maybe for you, uh, fall is just depressing and wet. But in either way, I hope you enjoy your uh, fall, because mine is completely ruined. I got nothing else. Uh, to cheer myself up with the impending loss of my job, I decided to spend more money than I should be by buying myself uh, the new iPhone. It's exactly the same as the old iPhone. It's just the camera's better. And I'm a nerd, so that was really fun for me. Oh, the first thing I did is, when it got dark out, I sat on the toilet, taking a dump, and played with my phone, which is exactly the same as my previous phone. Not much of a difference, except that it's got really good nighttime picture taking. So I took a picture when it was completely dark out, and uh, you can see the whole room, even though all the lights are off and stuff. So it's pretty fancy. I was thinking, oh, this will be so much fun to take pictures at night and fall with, like, the moon and some trees. And now, now it's too cold out. It's, everything's icy and snowy, and I hate it. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll just go out and take pictures through people's windows. It's got a zoom lens on it. It actually zooms. 
So I could always become like a stalker or some kind of pervert with my new phone and no job. Well, let's move on to the story. Let's learn a little bit about the author of this uh, episode's story is Edith Nesbitt. Uh, married name, Edith Bland. Born the 15th of August, 1858, and died the 4th of May, 1924. Was an English author and poet. Uh, she published her books for children under the name of E. Nesbitt. She wrote or collaborated on more than 60 books of children's literature. Yeah, she was also a political activist and co-founded the Fabian Society. Oh, I've heard of that. What is that exactly? And I just decided to pull it up really quick. The Fabian Society is a British socialist organization whose purpose is to advance the principles of democratic socialism via gradualist and reformist effort in democracies rather by, uh, than by revolutionary overthrow. So I thought I was familiar with it. Turns out I was not, and I had no idea what that was before I looked it up. A uh, socialist organization later affiliated with the Labor Party. So if I would just finished reading the sentence, I would have known that I wasn't familiar with it and I didn't need to look it up. Did you know that she has allegations of plagiarism? Nesbitt. In 2011, Nesbitt was accused of lifting the plot of the railway children from the house by the railway by Ada J. Graves, a book first published in 1896. My mouth didn't want to say those words. And serialized in a popular magazine in 1904, a year before the Railway Children was has first appeared. In both works, the children's adventures bear similarities. In the story, Nesbitt's characters use red petticoats to stop the train, whilst Graves has them using a red jacket. The accusation of plagiarism is not universally accepted. Well, if that's the extent of it, then... Yeah, I think I'd think that was silly, too. Her legacy? Edith Nesbitt Walk is also a cycleway. Uh, runs along the south side of Well Hall Pleasures in Eltham. Also in southeast London uh, at Lee Green is Edith Nesbitt Gardens. A 200-meter walking path in Grove Park connecting the Bering Road to the Gate Road uh, southeast London is named Railway Children's Walk to commemorate Nesbitt's novel of the same name. A similar path, so she's got a lot of paths. Uh, there's a Nesbitt Road in St. Mary's Bay. Uh, her former home. Okay, well, hey, uh, besides basically walkways and roads that have been dedicated to her all over London, uh, or England, a one-act, one-woman play titled Larks and Magic, based on Nesbitt's life, was created by Alison Neal. So, besides a road, she actually got a one-woman play. Well, that was terribly interesting. Let's dive into the story. Man Size in Marble by E. Nesbitt. Although every word of this story is as true as despair. Oh, that's sad. I did not expect people to believe it. Oh, you're just really hard on yourself. Nowadays, a rational explanation is required before belief is possible. Let me then, at once, offer the, quote, rational explanation, unquote, which finds most favor among those who have heard the tale of my life's tragedy. 
this could be depressing. It is held that we were under a delusion, in quotes, Laura and I, on the 31st of October, and that this supposition uh, places the whole matter on a satisfactory uh, and a believable basis. The reader can judge, when he too has heard my story, how far this is an explanation, in quotes, and in what sense it is, quote, rational. There were three who took part in this. Laura, and I, and another man. Oh, the other man still lives and can speak the truth to the least credible part of my story. I never in my life knew what it was to have as much money as I required to supply the most ordinary needs. Uh, good colors, good colors, books, and cab fares. Is good colors just mean like clothes? And when we were married, we knew quite well that we should only be able to live at all by strict punctuality and attention to business. I used to paint in those days. Oh, maybe that's where the colors come from. And Laura used to write. Ah, we sure would keep the pot at least simmering. Living in town was well, out of the question. So we went to look for a cottage in the country, uh, which should at once uh, sanitary and picturesque, so rarely do these two qualities meet, in one cottage that our search was for some time quite fruitless. Yeah, we tried advertisements, yeah, but most of the desirable rural residences, which we did look at, proved to be uh, lacking in both essentials. And when a cottage chanced to have drains, it always had stucco as well as was shaped like a tea caddy. Ugh. And if we found a, a vine or rose-covered porch, corruption invariably lurked within. Our minds got so befogged by the eloquence of house agents and the rival disadvantages of fever traps, ooh, a fever trap, and outages uh, to beauty that we had seen in scorn, uh, that I very much doubt whether either of us, on our wedding morning, knew the difference between a, a house <laughs> and a haystack. <laughs> but when we got away from friends, uh, house agents, on our honeymoon, our wits grew clear again, and we had a pretty cottage uh, when we last saw one. It was Brinzit, a little village on a hill over the southern marshes. We'd gone there from the seaside village where we were staying to see the church, and the two fields from the church we found this cottage. Oh, it stood quite by itself, about two miles from the village. It was a long, uh, low building with rooms sticking out in unexpected places, gross, but there was a bit of stonework, uh, ivy-covered, moss-grown, just, just two old rooms, all that was left of a big house that had once stood there. And round this stonework, the house had grown up, stripped of its roses and jasmine. It would have been hideous. As it stood, it was charming, hmm. and after a brief explanation, uh, we took it. It was absurdly cheap. Oh, the rest of our honeymoon was spent grubbing about in second-hand shops in the country town, picking up uh, bits of old oak and uh, Chippendale chairs uh, for our furnishing. We wound up with a run-up to town to visit uh, to Liberty's, and soon the low oak-beamed lattice windows rooms began to be home. Ah, there was a jolly old-fashioned garden with uh, grass paths and no end of hollycocks and sunflowers and big lilies. And from the window, you can see the marsh pastures uh, beyond the thin blue line of the sea. Uh, we were as happy as the summer was glorious, and we settled down into work sooner than ourselves expected. Now, I was never tired of sketching the view and the wonderful cloud effects from the open lattice. How Laura would sit at the table and write verses about them, mm, in which I uh, mostly played the part of foreground. Now, we got a tall, old, pleasant woman to do this for us. Her face and figure were good. 
that were cooking was of the, of the home in it. She, she understood all about gardening and told us all the, all the names of the coppices and the cornfields and the stories of the smugglers and the highwaymen and still better, of the things that walked and of the sights which she met in one lonely glens in a starlit night. She was a, yeah, she was a great comfort to us and because Laura hated housekeeping as much as I love folklore, we soon came to leave all the domestic business to Miss Dorman and to use her legends in a little magazine stories which brought in the jingling guinea. Now we had three months of married happiness and did not have a single quarrel. One October evening, I had been down to smoke a pipe with the doctor. Uh, only our neighbor, a pleasant young Irishman, Laura had stayed at home to finish Comic Sketch of the Village, episode for the monthly Marplot. I left her laughing over her own jokes and came to find a, a crumbling heap of pale muslin sweeping on the window seat. Good heavens, my darling, what's the matter? I cried, taking her in my arms. She leaned her little dark head against my shoulder and, uh, and went on crying. I'd never seen her cry before. Ugh. We'd always been so happy, you see, and I felt sure some frightful misfortune had happened. Uh, what is the matter? Do speak. It's Mrs. Dorman, she sobbed. Uh, what, is, what has she done? I inquired, immensely relieved. She says she must go before the end of the month. And she says her niece is ill. Uh, she's gone down to see her now. I, and I don't believe that's the reason. Because her niece is always ill. I believe someone is setting her against us. Her manner is so queer. Oh, this part's weird. Never mind, pussy, <laughs> I said. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't cry. Or I shall have to cry. I hope, he, I hope that's his nickname for her through the whole book. Uh, or I shall have a cry, too, uh, to keep you in countenance. And then you'll never respect your man again. Yeah, she dried her eyes obediently on my handkerchief and even smiled faintly. Uh, but you see, she went on, it really is serious because this uh, village people are so sheepy. And if one uh, won't do a thing, you may be quite sure none of others will. And I shall have to cook the dinners and wash the hateful, greasy plates. And you'll have to carry cans of water about and clean the boots and knives. Oh, God forbid you do stuff around your own house. And that we shall ever have any time for work or earn money or anything. We shall have to work all day and only be able to rest when we're waiting for the kettle to boil. I represented to her that even if we had to perform these duties, the day would still be present some margin for other toils and recreations. But she refused to see the matter in any of the greatest light. She was uh, very unreasonable, my Laura, but I could not have loved her any more if she had been as uh, reasonable as Waitley. All right, I'll speak to Miss Dorman when she comes back and, and see if I can't come to terms with her, I said. Perhaps she wants to uh, a raise in her pay. and That'll be all right. Let's walk up to the church. The church was a large and lonely one, and we loved to go there, especially on bright nights. Ah, the path skirted a wood, ah, cut through it once, and ran along the crest of a hill uh, through two meadows uh, around a churchyard wall, and over the old yews loomed the black masses of shadow. Uh, this path, which was partly paved, was called the Beer Walk. For it had been a long way in which the corpses had been carried... Oh, corpses. Oh, okay. Had been carried to burial. The churchyard was richly treed and was shaded by great elms which stood just outside and stretched their majestic arms in benediction over the happy dead. This is weird. A large low porch let one into the building by a, Norway, uh, a Norman doorway 
and a heavy oak door studded with iron. I can't wait to read my Kindle again. This tiny font is making me screw up constantly. A large, low, Norman doorway, heavy oak door studded with the inside. The arches rose into darkness, and between them, the reticulated windows, which stood out white in the moonlight, in the uh, chancel. And the windows were of rich glass, which showed in faint light their noble coloring. It made the black oak of the choir pews, hardly more solid than the shadows, but on each side of the altar lay a gray marble figure of a knight in full-plate armor lying upon the low slab, with hands held up in everlasting prayer. And these figures, oddly enough, were always seen as if they were in a glimmer of light in the church. Their names were lost, but the peasants told them they had been fierce and wicked men, marauders by land and sea who had been the scourge of their time and had been guilty of deeds so foul that the house that they lived in, the big house, by the way, which stood on the site of our cottage, had been stricken by lightning and the vengeance of heaven. For all that, the gold of their heirs had brought them a place in the church. Looking at the bad, hard faces, reproduced in the marvel, their story was easily believed. A church... Looked at its best and weirdest on that night, for the shadows of the yew trees fell through the windows upon the floor of the nave and touched the pillars with a tattered shade. We sat down together without speaking and watched the solemn beauty of the old church. Sounds pretty boring, just sitting and staring at a church like you're watching TV. With some of that awe that inspired its early builders, we walked to the chancel and looked at the sleeping warriors. Then we rested some time on the stone seat on the porch looking out over the stretch of quiet moonlight uh, meadows, feeling in every fiber of our beings the peace of the night and our happy love, and came away at last with a sense that even scrubbing and black-leading were but small troubles at their worst. Mrs. Dorman had come back from the village, and I invited her to a tete-a-tete. <laughs> now, Mrs. Dorman, I said, when I had got her into my painting room, what's all this uh, about you not staying with us? Uh, I should be glad to get away, sir, before the end of the month, she answered with her usual placid dignity. Have you had any fault to find, Mrs. Dorman? None at all, sir. You and your lady have always been most kind, I'm sure. Well, what is it? Are your wages not high enough? Uh, no, sir. It gets quite enough, burp. Then why not stay? I'd rather not. With some hesitation. My niece is ill. Yeah, but your niece's been ill ever since we came. That's kind of unkind of them to say. No answer. There was a long and awkward silence. I broke it. Can't you stay for another month? I asked. No, sir. I'm bound to go by Thursday. And this was Monday. Well, I must say, I think you might have let us know before. There's no time now to get anyone else. And your mistress is not fit to do heavy housework. Can't you stay till next week? I might be able to come back next week. I was now convinced that all she wanted was a brief holiday, which we should have been willing enough to let her have as soon as uh, we could get a substitute. Uh, Why must you go this week? I persisted. Come out with it. Mrs. Dorman drew the little shawl which she always wore tightly across her, her, her bosom, as though she were cold. Then she said with a sort of effort, They say, sir, that as this was a big house in Catholic times, and there were many deeds done here, 
The nature of the deeds might be vaguely inferred from the inflection of Mrs. Dorman's voice, which is enough to make one blood run cold. I was glad that Laura was not in the room. She was always so nervous, as uh, highly strung natures are, and I felt that these tales about our house, uh, I told this old peasant woman with her impressive manner and contagious credulity, uh, might have made our home less dear to my wife. And tell me about it, uh, Miss Dorman, I said. You needn't mind telling me. I'm not like the young people who make fun of such things. Uh, which was partly true. Well, sir, she sank her voice, you may have seen in the church, beside the altar, two shapes. You mean the effigies of the knight in armor? I said cheerfully. Uh, I mean them two bodies, drawn out man-sized and marble, she returned. And I had to admit that her description was a thousand times more graphic than mine, uh, to say nothing of a certain weird force of uncanniness about the phrase, drawn out in man-sized marble. Uh, they do say... As on All Saints' Eve, them two bodies sits up on their slabs and gets off them, then walks down the aisle, uh, in italics, in their marble, parentheses, another good phrase, Mrs. Dorman. As in the church, clock strikes eleven, they walks out the church door and over the graves and along the uh, beer walk, as if it's wet night there that marks their feet in the morning. Yeah, where, where do they go? I asked, rather fascinated. Oh, they comes back to their home, sir, as if anyone meets them. Uh, what then? I asked. But no, not another word could I get from her, save that her niece was ill and she must go. After what I heard, I scorned to discuss the niece and tried to get from Mrs. Dorman more details of the legend. I could get nothing but uh, warnings. But whatever you do, sir, lock the door early on All Saints' Eve. Uh, make the sign of the cross over the doorstep and on the windows. Uh, but has anyone ever seen these things? I persisted. Well, that's not for me to say. I, uh, I know what I know, sir. Uh, who, is, who was here last year? Uh, no one, sir. The lady who's owned the house only stayed here in the summer. Uh, she's always went to London for a full month before Italics the night. And I'm sorry to inconvenience you and your lady, but my niece is ill and I must go on Thursday. I uh, should have shaken her for her absurd reiteration of that obvious fiction but she told me her real reasons. She's determined to go, nor could our uh, united entreaties move her in the least. I did not tell Laura the legend of the shapes that walked in the marble, partly because a legend concerning our house might perhaps trouble my wife, and partly, I think, eh, from some more occult reason. That's quite the same to me as any other story, and I did not want to talk about it till the day was over. I had very soon ceased to think of the legend, however. I was painting a portrait of Laura, against the lattice window, and I could not think of much else. I got a splendid background of yellow and gray sunset, ooh, and was working away with enthusiasm on her face. On Thursday, Mrs. Dorman went. Ah, she relented at parting, so far as to say. Hey, don't you put yourself about too much, ma'am, and if there isn't anything that I can do next week, I'm sure I shan't mind. From which I inferred that she wished to come back to us after Halloween. Uh, up at last she adhered to the fiction of the niece of the touching fidelity. Uh, Thursday passed off pretty well. Laura showed marked uh, ability in the matter of uh, steak and potatoes. And I confess that my knives and the plates, which I insisted upon washing, uh, were better done than I dared expect. What kind of lives do they leave where they can't even wash their own dishes? It's like a big thing if they can. Friday came. That's eh, about what happened on the Friday that was written. I wonder if I should have believed it. 
Uh, if anyone had told it to me, I will write the story of it as quickly and as plainly as I can. Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, everything that has happened on the day is burnt in my brain, and I shall not forget anything, nor leave anything out. I got up early, I remember, and lighted the kitchen fire. And I just achieved a smoky success when my little wife came running down. Oh, as sunny and as sweet as clear October morning itself. And we prepared breakfast together and found it very good fun. Hmm. This is something that I have to do every morning, and it's... Uh, I already don't like these people. The housework was soon done, and when the brushes and brooms and pails required again, the house was still indeed. It is wonderful what a difference one makes in a house. Oh, we really miss Mrs. Dorman, quite apart from the considerations concerning the pots and pans. We spent the day in dusting our books and putting them straight, dined gaily on cold steak and coffee. Laura was, uh, if possible, brighter and gayer and sweeter than usual, and I began to think it a little domestic toil was really good for her. We had never been uh, so merry since we were married, and the walk that we had that afternoon was, I think, the happiest time of all my life, when we had watched the deep scarlet clouds slowly pale into the leaden gray against the pale green sky, and saw the white mists curl up along the hedgerows in the distant marsh. We came back to the house, silently, hand in hand. Yeah, you're sad, my darling, I said. Why doesn't he call her a pussy again? Uh, Half-jestingly, as we sat down together in our little parlor, and I expected a disclaimer from my own silence, had been the silence of complete happiness. To my surprise, she said, uh, Yes, I think I'm sad. Or rather, I'm uneasy. I don't think I'm very well. I've shivered three or, or four times since we came in. And it's not cold, is it? No, I said, and hoped it was not a chill caught from the treacherous mists that roll up from the marshes and the dying light. Are people really this susceptible to, like, uh, just a mist? Is All right, I'm moving on. No, she said she did not think so. Then, after silence, she spoke suddenly. Uh, do you ever have any presentments of evil? No, I said, smiling. And I shouldn't believe in them if I had. Well, I do, she went on. The night my father died, I knew it. Though he was right away in the north of Scotland, I did not answer in words. She sat looking at the fire for some time in silence, gently stroking my hand. That's weird. At last she sprang up and came behind me, and drawing my head back, ah, she kissed me. There, it's over now, she said. Uh, what a baby I am. Come light candles, and we shall have some of those new Rubenstein duets. And we spent a happy hour or two at the piano. At about half past ten, I began to long for the good night pipe. But Laura looked so white that I felt it would be brutal uh, for me to fill our sitting room with fumes of strong Cavendish. Hmm. I'll take my pipe outside, I said. Well, let me come too. No, sweetheart, not tonight. You're much too tired. I shan't be long. Go to bed, or I shall have an invalid to nurse tomorrow, as well as the boots to clean. I kissed her as she was turning to go. And when she flung her arms around my neck and held me as if she would never let me go again, I stroked her hair. Oh, here it comes. Uh, come, pussy. You're overtired. <laughs> the housework has been too much for you. Uh, I couldn't say it the really creepy way I was trying to go for it. She loosened her little clasp uh, and drew a deep breath. No, we've been very happy today, Jack, haven't we? Uh, don't stay out too long. Oh, I won't, my dearie. I strolled out in the front door, uh, leaving it unclatched. What a night it was. The jagged masses of heavy dark cloud were rolling at intervals from horizon to horizon. 
The thin white wreaths covered the stars, the wall rush of the cloud river and the moon swam, uh, breasting the waves and disappearing again into darkness. When, now and again, her light reached the woodlands, they seemed to be slowly and noiselessly waving in time and swing the clouds above them. There was a strange gray light over all the earth, and the fields had that shadowy bloom over them which only comes from the marriage of dew and moonshine. Or... Yeah, frost and starlight. I walked up and down, drinking in the beauty of the quiet earth and the changing sky. The night was absolutely silent. Uh, nothing seemed to be abroad. There was no scurrying of rabbits or twitter of half-asleep birds. Though the clouds went sailing across the sky, uh, the wind that drove them never came low enough to rustle the dead leaves in the woodland paths. Across the meadows, I could see the church tower standing out uh, black against the sky. And I walked there thinking over our three months of happiness. And of my wife, oh, her dear eyes, oh, her loving ways. Oh, my little girl, my own little girl. What a vision came on along, a glad life for you and me together. I heard a bell beat from the church. Ah, eleven already? I turned to go in, but the night held me. I could not go back to our little warm rooms yet. I would uh, go to the church. I felt vaguely that it would be good to carry my love and thankfulness to the sanctuary whither so many loads of sorrow and gladness had been borne by the men and women, uh, women of the dead years. I looked in the low window as I went by. Uh, Laura was half lying in her chair in front of the fire, and I could not see her face. Only her little head showed against the dark, pale blue wall. She is quite still, uh, asleep, no doubt. My heart reached out to her as I went on. Uh, there must be a god, I thought and a god who was good. How otherwise could anything be so sweet and dear as to have ever been imagined? I walked slowly along the edge of the wood, and a sound broke the stillness of the night. It was a rustling in the wood. I stopped and listened. The sound stopped, too. I went on and now distinctly heard another step, then mine an answer like mine is an echo. It was a poacher, a wood stealer. A wood stealer? Most likely, for there are not unknown in our Acadian neighborhood. But whoever it was, he was no fool not to stop more lightly, step more lightly. I turned to the wood uh, now, and uh, footsteps seemed to come to the path I had just left. It must be an echo, I thought. The wood looked perfect in the moonlight. The large dying ferns and the brushwood showed uh, where the thinning foliage and pale light came. The tree trunks stood up like uh, gothic columns all around me, and uh, it reminded me of a, of a church, which is convenient since you're heading towards one. And I turned into the briar walk and passed through the corpse gate, uh, between the graves of the low porch. I paused for a moment on the stone seat where Laura and I had watched the fading landscape. Then I noticed that the door of the church was open, and I blamed myself for having left it unlatched the other night. Didn't the bell just go off at 11 o'clock? I mean, doesn't that mean somebody's in there pulling the bell? We were the only people who ever cared to come to the church except on Sundays, and I was vexed to think that through our carelessness, the damp autumn airs had a chance of getting in and injuring the old fabric. Hmm. I went in. Uh, it will seem strange, perhaps, that I should have gone uh, halfway up the aisle before I remembered, uh, with the sudden chill, followed by a sudden rush of self-contempt, that this was the very day and hour, according to tradition, that the shapes, drawn out like man-sized marble, began to walk. Having thus remembered the legend and remembered it with a shiver, of which I was ashamed, I could not do otherwise than walk up toward the altar just to look at the figures. As I said to myself, uh, really, what I wanted was to assure myself, first, that I did not believe the legend, and secondly, that it was not true. 
I was rather glad that I had come. I had thought now I could tell Mrs. Dorman how vain her fancies were and how peacefully the marble figure slept on through the ghastly hour. With my hands in my pockets, I had passed up the aisle. In the gray, dim light, the eastern end of the church looked uh, larger than usual, and the arches above the two tombs uh, looked large too. The moon came out and showed me the reason. I stopped short. My heart gave a leap that nearly choked me and then sank sickeningly. The, quote, bodies drawn out, man-size, were gone, and their marble slabs lay wide and bare in the vague moonlight that slanted through the east window. Uh, were, they, were they really gone, or was they mad? Uh, clenching my nerves, which is a weird saying, I stooped and passed my hand over the smooth slabs and felt their flat, unbroken surface. Had someone uh, taken the things away? Was it some kind of vile, practical joke? I would make sure anyway. In an instant, I made a torch of a newspaper, which I happened to be in my pocket, and lighting it, held it high above my head. Its yellow glare illuminated the dark arches and those slabs. The figures were gone, and I was alone in the church. Or was I alone? Burp. And then the horror seized me. Ah, horrible. A horror, indefinable and indescribable. An overwhelming certainty of supreme and accomplished calamity. I flung down the torch and tore along that aisle and out through the porch, biting my lips as I ran to keep myself from shrieking aloud. Oh, was I mad? Or was this all that possessed me? I leapt the churchyard wall and took the straight cut across the fields, led by the light from our windows. Uh, just as I got over the, the first stile, a dark figure uh, seemed to spring out of the ground. Mad still with that certainty of misfortune, I made for the thing that stood in my passion. Uh, get out of my way, can't you? But my push met with a more vigorous resistance than I expected. My arms were caught just above the elbow and held as if in a vice. And the raw-boned Irish doctor actually shook me. Would ye? He cried in unmistakable accents. Would ye then? Uh, let me go, you fool, I gasped. The marvel figures have gone uh, from the church. I tell you, they're gone. Oh, he broke into a ring and laugh. Uh, I have to give you a draught tomorrow, I see. Uh, you've been smoking too much and listening to old wives' tales. Well, I'll tell you. I've seen the bare slabs. Well, come back with me. I'm going to old Palmer's. Uh, his daughter's ill. And we'll look in the church and uh, let me see the bare slabs. Uh, you go if you like, I said, a little less frantic for his laughter. I'm going home to my wife. Rubbish man, said he. Do you think I'll permit that? Are you... Gonna go saying all your life that you've seen solid marble endowed with vitality, and me to go all my life saying that we were a coward. No, sir, oh, he shan't do that. Uh, the night air, a human voice, and I think the physical contact with his six feet of solid common sense uh, brought me back to a little in my ordinary self. The word coward it was a mental shower bath. Come on, then, I said sullenly. Eh, perhaps you're right. He still held my arm tightly. We got over the stile and back to the church, and all was still as death. The place smelt very damp and earthy. He walked up the aisle, and I'm not ashamed to confess, I shut my eyes. I knew the figures would not be there. I heard Kelly uh, strike a match. Now, here they are, you see, right enough. You've been dreaming or drinking, asking your pardon for the invitation. I opened my eyes, and by Kelly's expiring vest, I saw two shapes lying, quote, in their marble, on the slabs. I drew a deep breath and caught his hand. I am awfully indebted to you, I said. It must have been some trick of the light, or I must have been working rather hard. Perhaps that's it. And, uh, you know, I was quite convinced they were gone. Well, I'm aware of that, he answered rather grimly. 
You'll have to be careful of that brain of yours, my friend, I assure you. He was leaning over and looking at the right-hand figure, whose stony face was still more villainous and deadly in expression. Uh, by Jove, he said, something is a better foot here. Uh, this hand is broken. Oh, and so it was. I was certain it had been perfect last time Laura and I had been there. Perhaps someone had tried to remove them, said the young doctor. Well, that won't account for my impression, I objected. Uh, too much painting and tobacco will account for that. <laughs> well enough. Come along, I said, or my wife will be getting anxious. Uh, you'll come in and have a drop of whiskey and drink uh, confusion to go some better sense to me. I gotta go up to Palmer's, but it's so late now I best leave it till morning, he replied. I was kept late at the uh, Union, and I've had to see a lot of people since. All right, I'll, I'll come back with you. I think he, I think he fancied I needed more uh, than did Palmer's girl, so discussing such an illusion could have been possible, and deducing from his experience large generalities concerning ghostly apparitions we walked up to the cottage, and we saw, as we walked up to the garden path, that bright light streamed out the front door, and presently saw that the parlor door was open, too. Uh, had she gone out? Uh, come in, I said, and Dr. Kelly followed me into the parlor. It was all ablaze, uh, with candles, not only the wax ones, but at least a dozen guttering, glaring yellow dips, stuck in vases and ornaments in unlikely places. That light, I knew, was Laura's remedy for nervousness. Poor child, why had I left her? Brute that I was. We glanced around the room, and at first we did not see her. The window was open, and the draft set all the candles flaring one way. Her chair was empty, and her handkerchief and uh, book lay on the floor. I turned to the window. And there, in the recess of the window, I saw her. Oh, my child, my love, had she gone to that window to watch for me? And what had come into the room behind her? To what had she turned with that look of frantic fear and horror? Oh, oh, oh my little one, had she thought it was, it was I whose step she heard and turned to meet what? She had fallen back across the table uh, in the window, and her body lay half on it and half in the window seat, and her head hung down over the table. Her brown hair loosened and fallen to the carpet. Her lips were drawn back and her eyes wide, wide open. They saw nothing now. What had they seen last? The doctor moved toward her, but I pushed him aside and sprang to her, caught her in my arms and cried, It's all right, Laura, I've got you safe, wifey. She fell into my arms in a heap. I clasped her and kissed her and called her my pet names. Ugh, gross, that's not a good time to call her those now. But I think uh, I knew all the time that she was dead. Her hands were tightly clenched. In one of them, she held something fast. When I was quite sure that she was dead and that nothing mattered and all, all any more, I let him open her hand to see what she held. It was a gray, marble finger. was a story, uh, better than the last one I read. It uh, painted a picture and got to the point. What's good about the story? It painted a picture and got to the point. Uh, I don't know if big stone slabs moving around is the scariest concept in the world. Uh, I did find it funny that his pet name for her, which is clearly based off of a cat, it just comes off pervy. If I ever, uh, ever get in a serious relationship again, 
I always like to call people my pet, just because it's kind of creepy. Uh, and more recently, someone explained to me exactly why it's super creepy to them, and I go, oh, wow, that is pretty gross. But but it's just something that like a, a grandparent would always say to somebody, like, oh, uh, not now, my pet, but uh, you know that kind of thing. Uh, something about calling the person you're dating my pussy. <laughs> it seems so creepy and so gross. So that's one good thing. Uh, the story wasn't the worst. Uh, it's not super scary. I guess the scariest part would just be that uh, his wife died uh, holding on to the broken marble finger of uh, one of the statues. Yeah, but otherwise, uh, up until then, just kind of weird. Uh, what's bad about the story? I don't like how uh, entitled the people are. Uh, they, they, they just can't handle washing their own dishes or sweeping. What kind of person is that? If they lived in modern times, would they have never pumped their own gas? It just just seems weird. Uh, I wonder, I'd hate to see the comedy of errors involved with them trying to clean their own toilets or you know sinks or something. Well, anyways, so beyond that, uh, what do we learn from this? And how can I tie it in with what I said earlier about my Halloween being completely ruined? Well, their marriage is ruined by death. So, there's that. I tied it in perfectly. Well, it's another win for me. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.